Welcome back everybody uh, to this uh, second session. Um, we had this first session, a short first session. All the sessions are running for 45 minutes, uh, I believe. And in that session we um, spoke about, or a little bit, about uh, why. And any topic uh, should always be discussed with um, three elements in, in mind. The what, the why, and the how. So, the what we know, it's parenting. The why, why do we need to discuss parenting or be good parents? We discussed a little bit about that in our first session. And inshallah, in this session and the next, we want to dive a little bit into the how. Um, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَعِينُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ عَلَى He said, aid your children to do well. And aid your children to, uh, to be righteous. Right? So, um, this is a command from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, commanding us to assist our children. And, and that's what parenting is. It's really about assisting them. Right? And that's why we say parenting uh, as a verb. Right? Because it's an action. It's an action. So, there has to be assistance um, so that um, they can develop. And also, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا That we extracted you from the wombs of your mothers whilst um, you knew nothing. Right? So, we were born in this world and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed us in this world and extracted us from uh, our mothers without any knowledge. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us uh, the entities to learn. And that's why Allah says in His book that He created for us uh, the ability to hear and to see and gave us hearts, right? Um, and these are the elements of learning. These are the elements of learning and learning entails development. So Allah extracted us whilst we knew nothing, gave us the elements to learn and placed us with teachers. And those teachers that Allah placed us with, obviously are our parents. And that's why parents must understand that that first sight that you have with your child, after your child is born, I know it's a very special, unique uh, moment when the two eyes connect. Right? You, especially for a mother, you feel this child uh, growing in you and the effects of this child in the first trimester and you know, sometimes there's vomiting, sometimes all these different um, uh, physical um, elements that we feel as a result uh, of carrying a child and then uh, that child develops and then you start feeling the child, right? Uh, towards the end of the second trimester and then into the third trimester the child is moving and kicking and doing things uh, and this uh, human feeling and desire to meet this child grows and grows and grows and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, created things, right? And then the child finally comes out after much difficulty and that's why it's called labor uh, but nonetheless, even you know, irrespective of how difficult the labor is, subhanAllah, you find that a mother is ready to have another child. And anyone who um, you know, understands the intricacies of giving birth, especially from the males, will be thinking, subhanAllah, after this ordeal, why would you want to go through it again? But subhanAllah, it's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created uh, the female that He's put in them much mercy. And you know, even though they've, they've gone through all this difficulty, 
The trauma of it disappears when the eyes of the mother meets the eye of the child after the child is, 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 is born. It just disappears, it dissipates. It, it's like, you know, it's like we were talking about butt earlier and how butt cancels everything before it. Yeah, when that eyesight happens, it cancels all the labor, all the difficulty, all the previous nine and a half months. Right? I know they say it's nine months, but it's nine and a half, really. Nine and a half to ten months. So, what happens when the two, when, when the two pairs of eyes meet? Right? The, the eyes of the mother and the eyes of the father and the, the, the eye of... Um, uh, sorry, the, the eye of the mother and the child and the, the eye of the father and the child. What really happens? A conversation takes place. And what does the child say at that moment? Well, the child is saying that my dear mother and father, I know nothing. I was not involved in the process of choosing who my parents would be. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed me in your trust. And all I'm asking you is to do right by me. That's what the child is saying at that moment. And that's what you should imagine. That you had a conversation that day when your eyes met your child's eyes. That's what your child was crying out um, and saying to you. Saying that, look, just do right by me. That's the only thing I can ask you because I had no choice in who my parents would be. Right? Allah has placed me in your care. Allah has placed me in your, your care. Um, so, um, this is the introduction to our uh, second session um, as we dive into the how. Rasulullah says, assist your children and aid them in being righteous. So we have a job to do uh, as, as parents. Um, the Sharia has cited for us attributes of successful parenting. I'm going to sort of summarize these attributes uh, in this particular session. Um, from the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from the citations of the pious predecessors, as they have understood from their readings of the Qur'an uh, and the Sunnah. One of the first things, brothers and sisters, that we must say when we talk about uh, successful parenting is breaking the when I was your age syndrome. Right? When I was your age syndrome in parenting. And I'm not saying this to make our young audience happy. Right? Because I do see many from the young here. But I'm going to say it because Ali radiallahu uh, was reported to have said, raise your children in a different way uh, that you were raised in. Because they were born and raised in a different time and environment that you were raised in. So this is what Ali radiallahu anh says. And, and I want you to understand how rich Islam is in terms of advice to parenting. This is the fourth caliph of Islam. Right? This is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this person who grew up in the home of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is not just an ordinary, meaning he's not ordinary because obviously he's from the pious predecessors. But even in terms of him and the pious predecessors, he's from the standout. Right? In terms of the pious that walked the world before us, those giants upon whose shoulders you and I are trying to balance upon right now. He was brought up practically by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because uh, his father, Abu Talib, had many children. And Abu Talib was not well to do. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wanted to reciprocate kindness. And Abu Talib brought up Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was his protector, he was his father figure. And after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married Khadija radiallahu anha, and he had a home, 
We see that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam takes one child from the home of Abu Talib and says, I will take care of this child to ease the, the you know, ease um, the situation on Abu Talib. So he was raised in the home of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that's why, you know, he was also the first boy to have accepted Islam. So it's this person who's saying that, you know what? Do not raise your, or, or, uh, raise your children in a different way than the way you were raised in. And he is citing for us that circumstances change, environments change, things change. And let's be honest, you know, things never changed as fast then as they change now. Let's be honest, right? Things are rapidly changing now. Honestly, you know, I would tell parents to revise their techniques so often. Don't sit on a technique for three to five years, it's too long. It's too long. The playing field is changing, right? I mean, uh, I was just reading an article the other day uh, about how the smartphone has changed the playing field in terms of the century that we are in, right? And today parents are raising what we call the millennials. You know the millennials? The millennials is a name given to children who are born in this century, in the 21st century, right? After the millennium. Right after meaning um, 1999 turned into 2000. Right, children born in this era are now teens. <laughs> Subhanallah. You know, uncle was just telling me that I must be old. Right, he's handling the audio, and he used to handle the audio when I was in madrasa. I remember on the jalsa days, he used to be handling the microphones and and all the stuff. Mashallah. And you know, I feel old as well now when I think about that. But we're talking about children born in this century who are teens now. And we know that you know, the, the smartphone, what they call the smartphone now, is synonymous with this century. Right? It came very early on. We're talking 2006, 2007. You know, the idea really gained progress. 2000 and, I mean, uh, smartphones came about um, even earlier than that. Right? But they weren't as smart as they became after 2009, 2010, when um, these other type of smartphones came about, which, which, which we have in our hands today with, with Apple and, and Android and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, that's what happened, right? The, the phones became smarter, but what happened to the people? Right? And so you know, now we have smart boards. You know, when I was in school, we had a blackboard. Right? And that the teacher was, was writing with a blackboard with chalk and the dust that used to fill up the classroom. And, um, you know, we used to dust the board, the dust used to go, we used to cough, and now it's smart boards. You just have a, this board on the wall, which has Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, everything. You can watch videos on the board, you want to check a resource on the internet, immediately you type in the URL, bang, it's on the board in front, you want to write, you can write, right? It's a smart board. Uh, I tweeted the other day, a quote of somebody, they said, you know, uh, when we were young, the boards were walls. Right? Right? And nowadays, uh, no, the boards were walls and the students were smart. Right? And we live in an age now where the boards are smart and the children are walls. Allah understand, right? So I'm, I'm, not saying it's a bl- <laughs> I'm not saying it's a blanket statement. But what I'm saying is something to, to ponder over. Uh, in any case, um, this is a very uh, fruitful way to introduce the how. One of the things you got to break when parenting, we're diving to the how, how to parent, is to kill this when I was young syndrome. You know, when I was young, we used to walk in school with snow up to our knees. 
you know those statements and some, some parents say it even in Zimbabwe and I'm thinking it used to snow in Rhodesia those days did it used to snow so the snow was up to our knees and nowadays the children get dropped off to school yes no doubt the children are spoiled but there's no need to compare our situation to them because really the situation is different because even when our parents were young cars were expensive right they weren't as cheap as they are uh, nowadays um, okay now in terms of our sharia and um, its teachings with regards to being a successful parent, then from the other elements, the Sharia teaches us that we should be patient and calm. This is very important. Uh, and it's not something we don't know. I think we all know this as parents. right? And as I said, this course is not a quick fix to being a good parent. You've got to put it into practice. This is just you know, a reminder for those who have learned and a lesson for those who don't know. But now you've got to put it into practice. A good parent is a parent who is patient and calm. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he had the biggest parental role because he was like a parent to the entire ummah. Those who lived with him and those who will come after. Today, we read a statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and understand it, subhanallah, and benefit from it and relate to it as if he's here now talking to us now in the 21st century. So what an amazing parent he was. And something that is synonymous with his life uh, throughout the Meccan phase and the Medina phase, the Meccan phase when Islam was, was being hammered, and the Medina phase where the Muslims had um, you know, their own place to practice Islam, is that he was always patient, he was always calm, he was always ready to forgive his enemies, it was, you know, he, he, he never took offense to people that harmed him, uh, his uh, entire uh, process was inviting to Islam. So as long as the invitation and the propagation to Islam was okay, he never took offense. It wasn't an ego thing. But that's a different discussion. In terms of the, 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 the suluk or the, character, the, the, the characteristic that we want to see and benefit from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was his calmness and his patience. When they stoned him at Ta'if, he was calm and patient. He didn't speak out, you know, uh, without any rationale. When Allah told him, now we're sending you the angels. Or the Jibreel told him, Allah has sent me with the angels of the mountains to crush these people. Right? After he was stoned and he was bleeding, we find him making a decision as if, you know, nothing happened. You know, people don't make great decisions when they're angry or when, they, when, they've, when they've just been struck. And we find him just after being struck, he says, no, leave them. Perhaps their progeny will understand. Subhanallah. Right? So, calmness... And serenity and patience was a great characteristic of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah has told us to choose him as an example. Because Allah says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ That in the messenger is a perfect example. Perfect example not only in worshipping Allah, but a perfect example in everything. In everything. In being a businessman, in being a father, in being a mother. Right? In being, uh, in, in terms of how you are with Allah, in everything, being a community member, in everything, He is your best example. Who said this? Allah. So we look at Him. His example was being patient and calm. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anh narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to uh, one of his companions that, you know, you have two characteristics that Allah loves. He says, you have two characteristics that Allah loves. He's actually telling a companion of his. And he cites these two characteristics as calmness and patience. Right? So, Allah loves this brothers and sisters. And calmness and patience is good for us in all aspects of our life, especially when being a parent. I know children push our boundaries. 
And they, it's as if they have PhDs in doing that. Right? They have the best degrees in knowing how to, um, you know, uh, wind their parents up. But the reality is, you need to understand, I'm worshipping Allah, and my child is an opportunity for me to worship Allah even more. When they wind me up, I'm not going to see this as an obstacle, I'm going to see this as an opportunity. This is a chance for me to celebrate this character of Rasulullah wasallam and remain calm and be patient, because number one, it's beloved to Allah, number two, it's a characteristic of Rasulullah wasallam, and number three, only goodness can come from this. If you're going to react, and, 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 and as many parents do today, they're very reactive in their parenting, you're not, going to, you're not going to progress. Nothing's going to get better. Yes, you're going to strike fear in your child, your child may become um, a dutiful child, but not because they've learned anything, it's because they're scared of you. And not because you, you know, their love for you grew in the process. No, it's because of resentment and they fear, so they're just going to take a step back. And, and we need to fear these things happening. Why? Because children will, will grow up and become independent. And when they become independent, if they were only good to you because they feared you, because they needed stuff from you, what's going to happen when there's a detachment? What's going to happen? I'm not saying it's right. Don't get me wrong, mothers and fathers. Right? Don't take now the wrong understanding that I'm saying that it's right if they do that. No, we're not discussing children right now. We're discussing parenting. Children must be dutiful irrespective of how good or bad the parenting was. Right? That's my discussion with them on another day. Our discussion now is reality. And the reality is, children are human beings as we are human beings. Right? What people say about us shouldn't affect us, but it does. Right? Yes, we should do things for Allah. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't say thank you to the people who do, who do things for Allah. Saying thank you, has a, it's positive, it, has, it brings about a positive environment. It helps people do more. That's just how Allah has made us. We are interdependent beings. There's the law of we that exists, which is that we are interdependent. We, we coexist with one another. It's not the law of I all the time. The, the law of I applies in certain matters of our life, and the law of they applies in other circumstances in our life. But the most prominent law is the law of we. Especially when you're in a home. Right? Because you can't be selfish in the home. And you cannot treat people as outsiders in the home, which is the law of they. It's the law of we. We coexist here. It's, it's, we co, it's, it's a coexistence. Right? Everyone pulling their weight plays a part towards you know, the serenity of the home and this ideal home that we discussed in the first episode. So it shouldn't be a situation whereby we react in a way that brings about natural human tendencies, especially when shaitan is there to feed it. Because shaitan is going to be whispering to your child as well. And many a child today just feels that their children shout them down, don't give them a voice to speak. It's a process of fear that's created. And they really can't wait for the circumstance to change. And the, and the norm of life is that circumstance will change. You cannot keep your children as a six-year-old, five-year-old or four-year-old forever. They're going to grow. That's just the reality. Their minds are going to develop. This is the sunnah of Allah. No one can stop it. They're going to get older. No one can stop it. Independence is going to come about in their lives. No one can stop it. So you need to equip yourself with the great characteristics of parenting. And from them is patience and calmness. And we've discussed why. As a follow-on to this, uh, we have gentleness and mercy. And gentleness and mercy comes about as a result, as a result of being patient and calm. Gentleness and mercy comes about as a result of being patient and calm, right? So now we're seeing the fruits of it. And why do we want to be gentle and merciful? Well, let's be honest, our children are the closest things we have to us. 
right? If you're going to be gentle and merciful to anybody, then surely it should be to your, your, your children first and foremost. You can't have a situation where you're very soft outside the home, and in the home you're very aggressive. There's no gentleness. There's no mercy. You know, it's as if the child is saying, where's the mercy dad, right? When you're out of the home, you're very soft and gentle. It's because you're a businessman. When you're out of the home, you're a businessman, right? So we, business, we've got to be good. You know, you've seen businessmen, they're another form of being a politician. It's being a businessman. Because at the end of the day, you've got to make deals, right? So it doesn't matter, you, you overlook things as long as the deals get done. But you come into the home, this is the place where you need to really pull out sincere uh, gentleness and mercy. And by the way, when you're gentle and merciful outside of the home for ulterior motives, you're not being sincere in your gentleness and your, uh, your ability to be merciful. That's not sincere, that's hypocrisy, right? And uh, Allah doesn't love the hypocrites. Hypocrisy was never anything that the Sharia praised. In fact, when the Sharia talks about hypocrisy and the hypocrites, it says, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَهُمْ تُعْجِبُكَ أَجْسَامُهُمْ That when you look at the hypocrites, nothing amazes you of them except the appearance, the show. And we spoke about this last year at the Seeds of Change course, the importance of being a character, not a personality. The importance of being a character, not a personality. Right? So you go out of the home and you're a personality, people perceive you as things. And your true character shows where? In the home. Right? So never be a hypocrite, even with Allah. And that's why the pious before us used to say, if you want to know the reality of your state, look at yourself when you're alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How you find yourself then, how you pray your salah then, that is who you are as a, as a person, not who you are in the public eye. Right? So gentleness and mercy. Aisha radiallahu anha states that, Muhammad, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gentle and He loves gentleness in all affairs. Right? So these citations I'm sharing with you, are not from, I'm not just picking them up. Right? I'm, 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 tight, I'm tying it to parenting. And here the hadith says all affairs. And one of the greatest affairs is raising up the ummah of today and tomorrow. Remember brothers and sisters. Right? No one should look at the youth today and say the future looks bleak. We should look at our young today and say the future looks bright. And for the future to, do, to look bright, you've got to do your job as a parent. That's the reality. You cannot outsource parenting. You can outsource marketing. You can outsource IT and human resources. You can outsource that stuff. You can outsource catering. Yes, you have an invite at your house, get another p- p- company to cook and bring the food and look after people. But you, ca- you cannot outsource parenting. And by the way, schools are not the place for outsourcing. And it says, no, we do outsource parenting, we have schools. No, schools are not parents. Schools are not parents. Parents are you. You dear father and you dear mother. You are the parents. Right? And you have to be the first people that bring up your children. You have to be the first people that teach them everything. You got to be the ones teaching them Quran. The madrasa is just there to compliment your role as a parent. You got to be there teaching your child the contemporary sciences. The school is just there to complement your role as a parent, not to take over your job as a parent, to complement it. They just plug your gaps, right? Because again, we live in the law of we, we interdependent. So we benefit from one another, no doubt. But never feel that you've outsourced it. Today we're quick to blame the Molana at Madrasa, the Sheikh at the Madrasa, the teacher at school, this school is like this, that school is like that. But we never realize there's three fingers pointing back at us when we point. That's the reality. You've got to ask yourself, hold on a second, how good is the home? When children have bad character at school, it's because they weren't taught good character at home. 
So before you start blaming the madrasa, you're going to blame yourself. And let's be honest, the madrasa never said as part of the contract that we are going to, you know, make your kids wonderful kids. And let's be honest, how many hours do these kids actually spend at madrasa with the sheikh? And how many children are sitting with the sheikh? And the sheikh has his own children at home as well that he has to bring up. So why are you being unfair to the sheikh? Right? This is what we call offloading blame. Running away from responsibility. Let's blame everybody. No brothers and sisters. Rasulullah as we heard he said, assist your children in being righteous. Your children. If you assist other people's children, you're a, you're a special person. But your children, you must do it. That's that obligation upon you. You will be questioned about it. And we discussed this uh, at the beginning. One of the other elements when you patient and calm, uh, that uh, for, formulates an attribute of successful parenting is compassion. And Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu said, Verily for every tree there's a fruit, and the fruit of the heart is the child. And indeed Allah will not have mercy upon those whom will, who, will, who will not have mercy upon their children. Right? So compassion is an important part, an important attribute that should exist in your attributes list as a parent. Right? You need to jot these things down and go home and ask yourself, how patient am I? How calm am I? How gentle am I? How merciful am I? How compassionate am I? This is homework, right? You should be sitting here with books and papers, uh, uh, brothers and sisters. Right? We, we want our children to learn well, we've forgotten the art of learning. Right? We've, we've come with not much. You're not going to remember everything I say. You're not. Because the brain cannot remember everything at one go. Learning is a, is a process. And, and, and memorizing is a process as well, right? So if you're really sincere and you want to be judge and jury in a true way, we shouldn't, but as I said, we lack sincere advisors. So we're forced to be judge and jury of our own processes. You need to be writing these things down. Attributes of successful parenting. Patience, calmness, gentleness, being merciful, compassion. And we've shared the evidences from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Also, being lenient and easy. This is from the attributes of successful parenting. Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, always choose the easier way as long... She says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would always choose the easiest way as long as it was not a sin. If he was given two options, he would take the easier way as long as the easier way did not entail being sinful. Right? right? Adopt this as a methodology in your parenting. Because being lenient and easy is a great attribute that should exist in your portfolio. Now, Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ in the Qur'an, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That it is from the mercy of Allah that you were lenient and easy with your companions. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Had you been the opposite, even in a small way, these companions would have dispersed from you. It's because you are easy and gentle. Wallahi, good character is absolutely amazing in winning people over. And winning your children over especially. If they love you, they will do what you ask them to do. Wallahi, it's true. You know, you can take this out of the parenting realm into community development as well. It's just human nature. That when they love you, they follow you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was a lovable person. And he also said that a Muslim is an easygoing person. 
Not a fussy person. Not a person who everything my way or the highway. It has to be like this. A, a true sign of Islam in your life is that you are easy going. A true sign of Islam in your life is that you are easy going person. You're not a fussy guy. You're not a fussy person. You gentle, you compassionate, you merciful, you easy going. This is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was. And that's why the Quraysh knew that there's something about this man. Their reason of denying him wasn't because they doubted his character, they doubted his truthfulness or honesty, it was arrogance. They were arrogant, they didn't want to leave the way of their forefathers. They felt, how can we do this? It was arrogance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cites this many a time in the Quran. That they know the truth, but they reject it. There's nothing in the messenger that causes them to deny it being the truth. There's nothing in his message that causes them to, uh, to believe that this is not the truth. No, everything about him fits the description. Everything about him is conducive to this message being a message that is followed. But it's arrogance. Right? So we need to understand this as parents. That leniency and being easy is an important attribute to have. Now this doesn't mean that you should be weak. Don't, get, don't, don't take the, the, the understanding as wrong. Because as the Sharia teaches us this, the Sharia has also taught us discipline. So we, we know, don't, don't take this discussion in and of itself. There are other parts we'll add to this. Right? So when we say, uh, you know, be easy, it doesn't mean be weak. No, because you've got to raise children. But what we're saying is, don't have an aggressive attitude at home with your kids. Where you're always shouting at them, scolding them. And it happens, we're weak. Wallahi, this message is for me first and foremost. We're all weak. We have moments in our life. As soon as you come and you just shout out. But what I'm saying is, don't shout out and accept it. If you shout out, have a sit down with yourself and understand that you know what? What I did was wrong. This is not from the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Right? I'm not saying you're not going to have weak moments. But what I'm saying is don't let the weak moments be a norm in your life. Let it be an exception. That it's a one-off. You get what I'm saying? So what should be the base rule in our life is being lenient and easy. Also being flexible and considerate. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says that, Prophet, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said, Have I not told you who will be protected from the hellfire? Everyone that is close, gentle, lenient and easy. Subhanallah. This is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He's telling us. And look, remember I was saying, in, in, when we talked about neuro-associative conditioning, we spoke about creating urgency in your life. If you, want to, if you want to really become an easy person, I think this hadith creates urgency. That I don't want to go to the hellfire. Right? It means so much to me that I don't go to the hellfire. It means so much to me. So I need to do that which helps me avoid the hellfire. And from the means is what Rasulullah wasallam has said here, which is being... Um, uh, close, gentle, lenient, and and easy. Tayyib. Also, from the attributes of good parenting is to be restrained. To be restrained. Yes, you are going to get angry sometimes. Yes, you know, anger is part of human nature. But we were created to worship, to live in this world how Allah wants us to live in this world. Not how we want to live in this world. And that's what Islam is, submitting to the will of Allah. So, we, we have human tendencies, but we're not supposed to follow them at the drop of a hat. We need to restrain. And restraining happens in avoiding becoming angry. Right? We should avoid, avoid becoming angry. Rasulullah was asked by somebody, this person came to him and said, advise me. He said, don't get angry. He says, okay, advise me. I heard you. Give me some more advice. He said, don't get angry. 
He told him again, okay, I've heard that, give me some more advice. He said, don't get angry. La taghbab. Don't get angry. Three times. Don't get angry. Right? It's human nature too, but don't get angry. The Prophet ﷺ said that the strong person is not a person who can wrestle. The strong person is a person who can restrain himself or herself when anger flares up within them. So we're not, we're not saying, you're not, you're not supposed to get, meaning you should, uh, becoming angry is, is something you can delete from your life. We're not saying that, it's part of human nature. But how you react, that's in your control. How you behave, that's in your control. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in His book, that walk forth to the forgiveness of Allah, rush forth to the forgiveness of Allah, and a paradise which covers the heavens and the earth that has been created for the righteous people. And who are these righteous people? Allah describes them. Right? They are those who spend their wealth during times of ease and difficulty. And then Allah says, الغيظ, And those who restrain themselves and suppress anger when it flares up within them. الناس, and those who forgive other people. This is what um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Right? So Allah has said that this Jannah is for those who suppress anger. That suppressing anger has a reward of a great Jannah. That's how beloved it is to Allah. And that's why the Sharia also has come with means to help us against anger engulfing us. Like saying, Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Like sipping water. Like uh, sitting if we're standing. Or lying down if we're sitting. Why did Rasulullah have time to teach us about this? Surely, we got people worshipping idols. Right? And, and you teaching us about how to behave if we get angry? Yes. Because... Rasulullah came with Tawheed and all that which Tawheed entails. Worshipping one Allah entails all these things, brothers and sisters. And again, I'm not speaking anything from me, I'm giving you quote after quote after quote, citation from the teachings of Rasulullah who you and I have been commanded to follow. Right? So we should be restrained, we should be moderate. Right? Um, as well, in terms of uh, parental attributes, being a moderate parent. Moderation is important. Don't overdo anything. You know when we say a child is spoiled, you've overdone it. And anything which is done in excess has counterproductive results. Right? يعني, Ibn al-Qayyim he says, That if anything crosses its boundary, it has negative effects. And this is through observation. Eating is good if you overeat, it's bad. Sleeping is good if you oversleep, it's bad. Laughing is good. If you over laugh, it's bad. Studying is good. If you over study, it's bad. Moderation has to be part of the parenting philosophy. Where you understand your boundaries. And whether you, 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 you excessive on one side, and you lack diligence on the other side, or what's going on? You got to look at this. Yes, people are scratching their head and saying, parenting is hard. Yes, it is. Who said it was easy? Who said it was easy? You're not in paradise yet. Inshallah, we'll get there. This is the dunya, right? Everyone wants to be in paradise. We want to just do what we want to do. No, that doing what you want to do happens in Jannah. <laughs> Doesn't happen here. Here we do what Allah wants us to do. Right? So if you're scratching your head and feeling parenting is hard, you're on the right track. It is hard. It is hard. You know, parenting is not trial and error. You know, like a mathematical problem that you solve, trial and error. Let me have a child, let's see. Oh, this child became a drug dealer. Allah musta'an. Khair, we messed up with that child. Let's try better with the next child. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that, brothers and sisters. Because Allah is going to question you about that first child. 
May Allah protect our children from all harm. Ameen. From the attributes of being a successful parent is being tactful and considerate. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh narrates that the Prophet wasallam used to teach us periodically as he did not want to overwhelm us. Right? Be tactful. And this is a follow-up from the moderate discussion we had earlier. Right? So he would teach them in, 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 in a manner that didn't sort of cause the lessons to become boring for them. Or didn't make them sort of now uh, lose appreciation for the lesson. Moderation is important. We are human beings. Parents need to know this. And you need to look at your own life. You know, things became boring to us in our life. When? When they, were just, when they existed in, in large quantities in our day or night or our week or our month. We became bored of it. Right? We needed something else. Right? So moderation is important. And for you to be moderate, you have to be tactful and considerate. You have to plan. Parenting is about strategic management as well. I know we learn about it in BCOMs and MBAs, right? For those who study at university about strategic management and implementation, the Sharia is all about strategic management. Allah gave us five times salah in the day. Five salawat, not six, not four, five. That's strategically managed. The scholars, Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah, he has an amazing discussion about this in his book called Al-Muwafaqat. I was reading, it was very, um, it, was, it was insightful. He's saying, look, Allah gave us five. Because six would have made us bored. Would have made us stop tasting the sweetness of the salah. And four wouldn't have helped us achieve what the salah aims for us to achieve. So it's set at five. By the, the, the one who knows everything, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hajj once in a lifetime, not twice. Because twice, for some people, would have made the process a burden. Allah said it as once, you do it, all you taste is the sweetness. That's being tactful, being moderate and considerate. Ramadan, one month in the year. Because one month, if you did properly, will help you face the rest of the year. If it was two months, you would have lost the sweetness of fasting. It would become a chore. That's what would have happened. As it is with some weak Muslims, they find one month even a chore. But we say, no, that's you being a weak Muslim. You need to develop your iman. Because one month is sweetness. And it's Allah's mercy that He didn't make it too. Because the, 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 the result might have been counterproductive. People would have become bored. They wouldn't have fasted for the beauty of fasting. So Allah cited it as one month in the year. For those who have reached a different level, the sunnah fast which you can do. Alhamdulillah. But you don't fast less than a month. It's either 29 or 30 days, not 28. Because you need 29 or 30 to ensure that you gain from the aims that fasting uh, set for you or the aims that fasting uh, help you in, uh, attain which is taqwa right and, and, I, and, and I spoke about this um, here in Harare at the Ridgeview Masjid uh, just before the end of Ramadan this last Ramadan I said Allah tells us to fast and after that he says it's a fixed number of days Allah didn't have to tell us it's a fixed number of days because he didn't tell us if it's 29 or 30 anyway we learned that from the sunnah he said it's a fixed number of days and at the end of the ayat of fasting, he talks, he tells us about the days again. You must complete the days. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala citing it in 29 or 30 days is important. And he tells us about the days. And he tells us about completing the days. Why? Because you have to complete it to attain the fruits of fasting. But it's not going to be more than a month, lest it become something burdensome upon you. So strategic planning and how you roll out your parenting is important. Right? And that's why one of the other attributes of good parenting is, is wisdom. 
You must be wise brothers and sisters. You got to know when to speak, when not to speak. This is from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sometimes remaining silent is better than speaking. Sometimes you create great parenting by keeping quiet. By speaking about this tomorrow. And look, it's all human nature. What I'm saying now is for me first and foremost. But it's something for us to think about. Right? As I said, now it's for you to go home and benchmark yourself against these ideals. You don't have to roll out parenting immediately. You overwhelm the child. You overwhelm the child to the extent that now the child doesn't taste the sweetness of what you're trying to share with them, so, that, so they don't relate to it. Right? Parenting needs to exist in a way, if I can, let me try and describe it for us when we talk about strategic management or, or how we roll out the parenting. It should exist in a way that everything you teach your child, your child feels emotionally invested in that lesson. Because that's the biggest motivator. If your child is in, emotionally invested in that lesson, you won't have to remind them to do it often. They will do it. Today we say, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean. We keep on repeating it like a tape recorder. You can actually record it and let it play now. Put it on a timer. Now you've got advanced radios, right? When the clock ticks, it will just say, clean your room, reminder. Because, why are they not doing it? You need to teach them that lesson in a way where they become emotionally invested in it. And one of the ways to create emotional investment is focusing on the why. What are the benefits of doing it? That's, that's one of the ways. But also, one of the ways of creating that emotional investment is to, to pace out your, your, the way you parent. If you like, release to them 100 commands now, let me tell you, clean up your room is lost in translation some way. Right? It's lost. And that's what sometimes parents do. Parents are too busy to parent. And then what happens? One day, push comes to shove. Enough is enough. And they say in Shona, Jaka Presa, right? <laughs> so, enough is enough. So what happens? What happens? You just lay out on the child now. The last five months, six months of issues, one after the other, one after the other. Now it's a two, three hours sitting with your child. And it's all negative. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and khalas. Now the child stopped listening to you from the third you. They just now sat there, brain closed, waiting for this thing to finish. Being respectful so that they, you know. That's what happens. No, you got a parent every day. So being strategic in how you be a parent is important. You can't leave it to say, no, I'm just, you know, memory plus, memory plus, memory plus, memory plus, memory plus. And on my timetable, I have one day where I'm going to sit and just do a brain dump here now. No, it doesn't work like that. Right? So these are some of the things uh, shared. Subhanallah, why is time flying so fast? It's already the end of the second um, uh, session. I wanted to uh, dive into something else. We, we will use the third session, by the way. I know it's cited as a Q&A. Uh, but we will use it to discuss... Uh, some matters because I wanted to talk about the principles uh, of parenting as well uh, which inshallah we will do after the break if you need a break do you guys feel that you need a break you just had a tea break not so long ago I mean how much can you eat as we said you need to be moderate right if you're eating after every 45 minutes and sweet things as I can see here then perhaps it's not conducive to your own body development so can we continue or should we Right? If anyone wants uh, to help themselves to something, you can. Let's move on to the principles for parenting. So we've covered the attributes of, of good parenting, characteristics that we should have to ensure that we're good uh, parents. Let's move on to principles for parenting. The first principle is to lead by example. This is very important, brothers and sisters. If you want to be an effective parent, lead by example. Lead by example. Because children view their parents as leaders. And great leadership entails you being a person who walks the talk. You speak what you mean. And you mean what you speak. 
Yes. Right? And this is the same discussion in terms of when we talk about effective uh, leadership. Being a parent is about leadership. You are leading your flock. If you don't lead by example, what do you expect from your children? Parenting does not entail a do as I say, not as I do attitude. Rather parenting is about leading by example. And that was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Hurairah radiallahu um, narrates that the Prophet wasallam said, every child is born in a state of fitrah. And their parents will turn them into a Jew or a Christian or a fire worshipper. Every child is born upon a natural disposition. But the environment now will shift that natural disposition. Will make them a fire worshipper or a Jew or a Christian. Now again, Rasulullah is citing the most important element. It doesn't mean that your, your behavior won't affect their character. No. If it's going to affect their religion, then obviously it's going to affect their character. And this is from the eloquence of the Prophet ﷺ. He doesn't have to cite for us every single thing. And his hadith becomes 10 pages or 15 pages. He was very eloquent ﷺ. And this is from effective communication. That you cite the most important aspect and everything underneath it falls underneath it. So if your parenting affects their religion, what about their character? What about their speech? What about their likes? What about their dislikes? Let's be honest. If you're going to be listening to music in the car, then naturally they're going to start loving music. You are polluting their fitrah. You've got to understand this. If you are a person who's not diligent with salah, you are going to, it's going to become ingrained in them. They're going to lack diligence with salah. You've got to understand this. Right? You've got to understand this. Yes, the sharia tells us to make our children observe the salah by seven. And by ten there should be a small punishment. Why? So that by the time they get to the age of puberty, this pillar of Islam is looked after. As we said earlier, if it doesn't stand, none of the deeds stand. Right? How should you teach them about salah at the age of seven? And, and, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Muru awladakum. This is an, an, an act. It's not just about telling them to do it. It's about creating a system which allows them to observe the prayer. If you're not doing it, you're polluting their fitrah. If you're not good to your parents as well, they are going to take it upon themselves. Not because they want to be bad to you, but they think it's normal. Like a true story in Saudi Arabia, which one of the sheikhs mentioned in a masjid talk, of a father who came to him crying after he buried his mother. Uh, 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 his mother or father, I can't remember. I think it was his father. Allah knows best. And the sheikh, obviously the sheikh, you, you obviously, you, you, you soft with people, they had a loss. He's, but he wasn't crying because he lost his father. He's crying because of what happened after. What happened after when they came from the graveyard? His young son of four or five goes into this maid quarter and picks up a plate which, which was rusted and keeps the plate. And the father is saying, why do you want that plate, Ya Waladi, oh my son, throw it away, it's dirty. And he's saying, but this is the plate that my grandfather used to eat, and I want to save it so I can also do the, feed it to you. Use it to feed you. Subhanallah. He's an innocent child. This shocked, it shocked his father, and he's coming to the sheikh saying, what have I done? Right? Because he looked after his father in an extension to the house, a small box room. In Saudi Arabia, how they built the houses, they have this outside box room, which is, is considered the, the maid's quarter, or the quarter of, of, of the servant that will work there. Right? So obviously he didn't have a servant, but this is, he didn't have a servant, but this is where he placed his, his father. And the meals would go to the father as if he... Allah al But the point to note is, look how the child picked up on it. 
Because that was leadership by example. Bad leadership, but that's what the child thought. The child was, was not saying, I want to be bad to you, my dear dad. No, he's saying, I want to do it to you because I love you. I love you. I want to do what you do. This is how you do it. I want to follow through. Right? What you plant, so shall you reap. Lead by example. Right? So this is a very important uh, principle for parents. Leading by example. And we, we, we've seen this hadith. It's in Sahih Muslim, it's authentic. That Allah creates us upon a natural disposition. And this natural disposition acknowledges Allah. But if this disposition that acknowledges Allah can be shifted because of the, the environment in the home, then understand how lucrative a good environment in the home is. You have music CDs lying around, bad magazines lying around. Don't think that you know your child is going to be free from it when they reach their teens and, and, and reach a better independence. And now they are uh, in a situation, uh, meaning they are engulfed and enslaved by life. And uh, you know, physi- uh, the, the, the physiological changes which their bodies undergo and the, their, 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 their brains undergo and you know, the independence they start feeling and so on and so forth. They're not trying to be bad. They're just going to latch onto things that the elders do. Right? Especially when you get to your teens. Because when you get to your teens, it, it, you, you enter a phase where now you want to be like the adults. That's the first phase where you start feeling independence. And nowadays it happens earlier, brothers and sisters. Puberty comes sometimes before your teens. Right? As we know. So, you've got to create that environment. You've got to lead by example. You're going to drink coke, they're going to drink coke. Don't be drinking coke and say coke is bad for you. I mean, that's foolish, right? They're going to say, oh, my dad does bad things. Do you want your child to say that? Right? Nowadays the parents are more cleverer. Now they put the coke in the coffee mug. So the child thinks they're drinking tea. Right? So what we're saying, brothers and sisters, is lead by example. This is very important. Number two, wisdom. Wisdom is an important principle when it comes to parenting. And wisdom is described as That doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. This is wisdom. And Allah says in the Quran, That the one who has been blessed with wisdom, then Allah has blessed them with mighty good. We lack wisdom today, my dear brothers and sisters. We lack wisdom in, in how we gift our children. We overgift them, we spoil them. We lack wisdom in the yes and no concept with our children. We say either too much yes or too much no, or we say yes at the wrong time or no at the wrong time. This is prevalent. This is prevalent. Children do what they want and parents are always for their children. I think this is part of good parenting. No, you've got to raise a child that will be upright tomorrow when you're in your grave. You've got to raise a child that will, will be upright tomorrow when there'll be no one advising them as you would, have, as you would advise them. You've got to raise a child to be upright tomorrow when there'll be no one available who will be desperate for them to succeed. Let's be honest. The most desperate people for our children to succeed are the parents. Right? We are the most desperate for them to succeed. Wisdom is needed. Don't be fooled by shaitan. Where he puts you in a zone where, you know, give them what they want because, uh, you know, that's good parenting. That you're being fooled by shaitan. Yes, give them what they want when wisdom dictates it's the right thing for them to have. Even if they're good children, brothers and sisters. Shaitan sometimes, you know, he, he whispers to us, my child's good. You know, other people's children do like this and do like that. Let me just give him what he's asking for. No, 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 brothers and sisters. 
We were not born to raise our children as our neighbors are raising their children. We were created to raise our children as Rasulullah told us to raise children. Islam didn't say your neighbor's house is the pedigree for you to understand whether you're a good parent or not. Or what other people are doing to their children is a pedigree for you to understand whether you're a good parent or not. No. Islam has its citations. And it's either right or wrong. I'm not saying there's no gray areas, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Don't be fooled by what, how, how other children are spoiled and then you make a wrong decision now. Wisdom might dictate that even though my child is good, this for them now is not right. Be a parent and say, no, it's, look, inshallah, I support your request, but this is not the right time. Perhaps we can do it then. This will be a better time for you to do it. Right? And that's wisdom. And that's part of being a parent. And that needs guts. Because you need to also trust yourself. You need to think things over. And good leadership, brothers and sisters, needs you to be brave. You know, executive decisions don't come from weak leaders. Right? And that's why Allah has made an amir in everything. There's an amir, there's someone in charge. Because you are going to have differences of opinion. And there needs to be someone who will make the final decision. Otherwise nothing will move forward. Right? The ship needs a captain. The plane needs a pilot who's also the captain. There's a captain. They might have two, three pilots on board, but one is the captain. Right? Even in terms of the purses on the plane, you have a head of staff in terms of the air hostesses and so on and so forth. There's someone who's there who can make a final decision if need be. In the home, Allah says, nisa That the men have been made responsible over the females, over the, the, uh, the elements of the home. So good leadership is needed. And wisdom is related to good leadership. The next thing, brothers and sisters, in terms of pro- uh, parenting principles is fairness and equity. I don't want to say equality, I want to say equity. Right? Um, And that is very important, that we are fair. Now, when we talk about this topic, I must make it clear that it doesn't mean that you need to love every child equally, because this is human nature, a matter of human nature, and you can't control it. Right? Rasulullah loved Aisha more than his other wives, and it it was known. A parent may love a particular child more than the other children. This can happen. It's human nature because of certain attributes the child has that relates to you. So when we talk about equity or equality, we're not saying in terms of human emotion, meaning the love that you feel. But we're talking in terms of practice. That even though you love one child more than another, it doesn't mean that that child is always right even when they're wrong. When they're wrong, you've got to cite them as wrong. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that you love this child more than the other, that you gift this child and you don't gift the others. Now, why do I say equity and not equality? Because Islam doesn't say, if you gift one a car when he's 18 years old, you've got to gift the 6 year old a car as well. <laughs> no. So equity entails you've gifted, but gift, but gift a gift which is conducive to th- uh, this particular child's situation. Right? So that child might need a car, this child might need an iPad for example. Right? So that's equity. So you've gifted and gifted. This is important. Why? Because you don't want a situation where shaitan now has a door to enter your child's life and make or create resentment. Like shaitan did to the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam. Not that Yaqub alayhi salam was not fair with his children, but naturally he was being a parent to the two young ones, Yusuf and bin Yamin. Right? Who came from a different mother. So now the other children who were much older, they was, you know, shaitan caused them to see this love and attention that Yaqub was giving to his two young ones as being unfair. 
So shaitan used it as a means for them to do this haram and this evil which they did, which was to abduct Yusuf from his home and throw him into a well. They said, well, if we get rid of him, then our father will look at us. But it wasn't the case that he wasn't looking at them. He was practicing equity that, look, you guys are independent in certain things. I don't have to babysit you in these things. But these children, I got to babysit them because they're younger. And we know that Yusuf was abducted, as the scholars of Tafsir say, before the age of seven. Before the age, so he was much younger. So equity and fairness is important. Also, brothers and sisters, from uh, the principles of good parenting is appreciation and open communication. You must appreciate your children. Right? And learn to plant the seeds of dignity and self-worth. And give them a chance to speak. That's what, you know, appreciation and open communication entails. It shouldn't be a situation where it's one-way traffic in the parenting. The parent speaks and the children listen. That's it. You were born to listen. No, let them also speak. Let them communicate. Get feedback. How do you know how they're feeling? And how do you know, you know, if a doctor doesn't ask you, how, uh, how does the doctor know which medicine to apply? So if you get feedback from your children, right, this assists you in becoming a better parent. Now, everything I'm citing for you is a long discussion, brothers and sisters. I have many examples we can go through. But obviously, as we said today, we're just planting uh, the seeds for us to uh, grow later on. Write these things down and consider them. Right? Appreciation and open communication. Right? So, um, your child is not smaller than that bird that Sulaiman had a conversation with. You know the story of Sulaiman? When the bird went missing, Sulaiman said, where's the bird? He better come with a good excuse, or he's going to be punished severely. When the bird came back, did, did Sulaiman just punish the bird? No. Sulaiman had a conversation with the bird. Explain yourself. And he says, I've come to you from another place. And I have knowledge of something you don't know. And I've seen a people worshipping the sun. He's now telling Sulaiman. Right? So he had a conversation with the small bird. Your child is not smaller than the small bird. Let's be honest. No matter how small your child is, have have a discussion with your child. Let them communicate. Why did you do this? When you did it, did you not feel this? Did you forget the lesson I taught you the other day that this is wrong? Have a Have a discussion. Don't treat your child as if my, my child is out to make my life a living hell. No, they're just being children. And it's very important, brothers and sisters, that you know this. You need to know the stages of your child and their brain development as well. You know, once I came across a parent who, is beat, who, who spanked his three-year-old for lying. And I said, you know what? Does your child even know what lying is? And does your child even have the ability to lie at this age? Right? Because we know a lot of the you know, development sciences, they're actually that. They're called sciences now. They're researched. There's a lot of theory about it. And it actually states that at three year old, the child is imagining. They don't even have the, 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 the mental ability to lie. So they can say that they did something or didn't do something through imagination. They imagined it. They can say somebody else did it because they imagined it. They're not lying. And here you are now disciplining your child for, for something the child is innocent of. It's because you lack the knowledge. Right? So, yes, maybe our parents didn't know, but that doesn't mean that our parents didn't know that we should behave the same way. As we heard from Ali radiallahu anhu. So now we have lessons from specialists, there's books written on this, read about it. Right? I mean, uh, we've just opened a school in Malaysia, Seven Skies International, and when we were were putting this curriculum together, one of the people on the panel was a doctor, and and the doctor's explaining about how the the, the brain of of a male child develops 
at a certain pace and the, um, the brain of a female child uh, develops at a certain pace. That females at the age of five can learn things that we shouldn't be teaching the males. They will learn it better if they're seven or eight years old. It's documented now. Now surely we should take this on board. So we've structured the curriculum in such a way that the boys section will learn this at seven or eight and the, 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 the girls section of the school will learn that lesson at five. That's fine. Because Allah says, وَلَيْسَ ذَكَرُكَ الْأُنْثَى The male is not like the female. They're different. So alhamdulillah, if, if now we have information coming about that assist us, we can better the education process. So why not take this information and better the parenting process as well? Right? Right? And by the way, this is a, a, a good way to explain why your school is segregated. Because nowadays, you know, the parents are, why is your school segregated? If you tell them because Islam says they have a problem. But if you say, no, it's segregated because we have a curriculum running for the boys and a curriculum running for the girls because of these medical reasons, now they are, oh, this is amazing. Now they're happy to accept segregation. <laughs> yeah, but that's just a, um, a footnote to the discussion. So, appreciation and open communication. Your child is not smaller than the bird that Sulaiman had a conversation with. Also, we discussed constant dua. This is a principle in effective parenting. I'm not going to touch on that now. We spoke about it in uh, the first session. The next thing, brothers and sisters, is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He permitted Aisha radiallahu anha to have toys, and he watched Abu Umair play with his pet bird, and uh, also his grandson Al Hussein had a pet. So, from the principles of effective parenting is to create circumstances where your children also develop in terms of responsibility, right? And how do you do this? By getting them a pet. This helps them develop responsibility, right? Um, and also in terms of the girls, they learn responsibility by playing with dolls. Right? And as we see, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam let Aisha radiallahu anha have her, she, 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 she had her dolls. He never instructed Abu Bakr radiallahu anha to get rid of them, or he didn't make an active effort to get rid of them. The scholars, just from this hadith, they have cited books and books on, in, in, related to tarbiyah and ta'aleem, which is education and development, or better still, development and education. Because Islamically, development comes before education. This is just another side note for you to take, to take care of. We always say tarbiyah wa ta'aleem. Development and education. Development, education is a subset of development. Right? It's not about just teaching children. It's about them becoming developed as a result of what they learn. And especially with the Sharia brothers and sisters. As parents, never become a person who teaches your child Islam as they learn mathematics at school. Well, it's just theory. Because the knowledge of the Sharia doesn't just change minds or educate minds, it educates minds and hearts. It transforms hearts. And parenting is about transformation. Right? So you can't teach your child about Jannah, but there's no transformation in their character. You can't teach them about Allah and there's no transformation in their character. You can't teach them an ayah in the Quran and there's no transformation in the character. You can't teach them, what I'm saying is you can't teach them something as you teach them a mathematical equation, for example. Or the names of different triangles. Where it's, it's knowledge, you memorize it and you know. 
No, there has to be a transformation that happens as a result of the knowledge that you know. And this is tarbiyah, this is development. Rasulullah always taught us about development and taught us about education being a subset of development because the ultimate thing is development. How did you grow from the knowledge that you learned? Right? How did you grow? And even in the Sharia, when we talk about beneficial knowledge, it's knowledge which entails two pillars. Number one, knowledge, and number two, action. And it's called the twins of faith. Al-ilm wal-amal. Knowledge plus action. Ilm is knowledge, amal is action. And no action can happen without knowledge. Because we need to live here, as I said, how Allah wants us to live. So we need to learn what Rasulullah taught us. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about Matters related to Allah and how He wants us to live. Once we know, we have to implement. And that's why if you look at the narrations related to the Day of Judgment, you don't really see, you know, where Rasulullah says, your legs won't move on the Day of Qiyamah until you asked about what you learned. No, about what you learned and what you did with it. That's what you asked about. What you did with it. And, and again, we've said this today. Parenting entails practice. Go home. Draft your, get an exercise book, or open up your tablet. Alhamdulillah, you don't need paper now, right? Get yourself an app or whatever you need, and start making it your parenting handbook. Like, you know, we have cooking recipe books, right? Everyone has, you know, when you get married, your mother gives you a recipe book, which is the homemade recipes, and you carry that to your new home. You need to have your parenting handbook, which you one day will give to your child. When your child grows up and gets married and has their children, that look, this is, these are the mistakes, and, 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 and I know there were mistakes because of AB. You need to write your journal. This is what I did today, and this is what happened. Or well, five years ago, I spoke to my child this way, this is how they're reacting today. Right? Have your journal. Learn from it. Today I attended a parenting lecture. I learned about attributes and principles of parenting. I'm, uh, this, is, this is the subject. How close am I to it? How far am I from it? Or how, what's my distance from it? And what am I going to do to plug that gap? Create a column for yourself. Principle, my relationship to that principle, what can I do to fix it? Write it down. Allah will love you for it. Do it for the sake of Allah. It's important brothers and sisters. Right? So, what we're saying is give your children toys, give them pets, but teach them development from it. Don't give it to them to make them love the dunya. Don't give your children toys and pets so that they attach to matters of this life. Today we see many children, they love toys. Toys, 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 toys. It's all about more and more and more. It's never enough. The toy is an industry now. And we know when anything becomes an industry, it's dangerous. Right? When, when food becomes an industry, it becomes dangerous. When toys become an industry, it becomes dangerous. Schooling is an industry now, Allahu Musta'an. And we know what's happened to education in, in the world today. Because schools are just there to be schools. It's an industry, make money. Not all schools, they may not be oppressive. Right? Even the medical fraternity is an industry now. So we also know what's happened to uh, medicine, how expensive it's become. Hosp- uh, just yesterday I was reading a piece on how certain hospitals put targets on their surgeons. They put targets in certain countries. So they, the surgeon admits you, even though there's a, you, can, you can get through whatever you're going through without having surgery. Right? So, uh, it was a good comparison anyway. For those who are interested, it was discussing, uh, you know, the medical practices in India as opposed to, for example, other countries in the world. Uh, and uh, basically the article was saying that surgeons in India have targets to hit. They admit you. Because the, doctor, the hospital has to make a certain amount of money. 
And they were talking about medical ethics in Australia being one of the best in the world because they hardly admit you into hospital or they give you real choices as a patient as to what uh, approach you want to use. But that's a side discussion. I want to bring it to the parenting realm as well. Right? Don't make parenting an industry or well, we can't because we can't outsource. But if you buy your child a toy, make sure you're not buying it and giving it to them to make them love it and be attached to the dunya. So as they grow bigger, then they want the toys appropriate to their age. As we see with smartphones today, everyone's buying their children the latest smartphone. They don't need them. The last smartphone is working fine. But we allow them to get the new smartphone. How is that helping their tarbiyah? All you're doing is making them attach to the dunya. Even if they can sell the last smartphone. But you don't need one. Why are you doing it for the sake of it? If there's a reason, that's a different story. But if, there's no re- if the reason is only because that's the latest one out there, then that's not good development for your child. Because you're not buying it for them, or allowing them to get it in a process which develops them in a robust way, you're only developing them in a way where they become attached to things, to materialistic things. And today, I promise you, you know what? Consumerism exists within young children. Seven, eight-year-olds are sub- as, uh, uh, they, they're part of consumerism. And it happens in, it is even understood in the industry today. You know, if a company wants, I think I shared this with you last year. But if a company wants to advertise their cereal, they actually go to a psychologist. And they ask the psychologist, how does the child think? Because we're marketing this thing to a child. So the psychologist now says, okay, you need to create a figure. You know, because kids like figures, cool figure, make sure it's round, not square, roundish figure. Because in the cartoons you see the roundish figures are the good guys, the square, the square figures are the baddies, right? Except for Spongebob, I notice Spongebob is a square. But maybe that's because that's cheese, so you know, children can get over it. But they actually say, well, you need to get a roundish figure and you know, uh, make this figure do these cool things and the kids will get attached to it. So they take this information, they go to the uh, advertisement company. And they, the, the, and they relate this through, that look, we need A, B, C, D, E. So now the, the company creates for them uh, this little furry tiger, for example. You know, does all these cool things on TV. He's surfing and parasailing and doing all these cool things. And then when he finally lands in tired, they give him a bowl of the cereal and he swooshes it and puts it in his mouth and... You know, your child is there in front of the TV, right? Because that's what parenting today has become also. You know, one of the principles of parenting is get the full-time cartoon channel at home. So we stick them there to have peace. We put them there, then we can... You don't hear from the child. Alhamdulillah, right? So what happens is now your child is busy watching all this, this, this advert between the cartoons of this tiger who eats this cool cereal. So now you on Sunday go shopping with your child. And your child is walking with you. So what the company tells the supermarket, tells the supermarket, look, this cereal, put it on the lower shelves. And by the way, nowadays you pay for shelf space. If you want your stuff in the shelves in the front, it's a certain price. Because supermarkets have realized there's value. Before it wasn't, you just stock your stuff. No, now you pay for shelf space. So we want the bottom shelves for the cereal. Okay. So you're walking with your child on a Sunday, innocently happy. And your child is walking with you until your child stops. Staring at the cereal box, which is, which, which is right in line with his eyes. Right? Because in the lower shelves. And you say, come, come. And he says, uh, I want the cereal. You say, why do you want the cereal? Because that's my friend. Who's your friend? That little tiger on the box. Because I watch him on TV every day at home. He does cool things. And he eats the cereal. So I want the cereal. 
What happens? Mommy says, okay, let's get the cereal. Bang, it goes into, into the, the, the shopping trolley. So our kids now have what? They've become part and parcel of consumerism. Right? They want things before they even know that you need money to buy it, basically. And that's what consumerism is about, brothers and sisters. We should be privy to these things, brothers and sisters, right? So, if you give them toys and games, ensure that you're giving it to them in a way that develops them for the better. Not makes them attached to materialistic things. Choose the games appropriately. Make sure that they can develop and acquire a certain skill from this toy that you're giving them. Today we have apps. Be careful when you download these apps. Right? Don't just give them the password to the Play Store or whatever the store is. And they're just downloading apps all day, all long, trying new things. Firstly, it doesn't help their attention span. And I've seen this personally. I have experienced this in education today. The students have some of the least attention spans I've ever come across. They do not hold attention. They do not. They become easily uh, out of focus. Because their attention spans are so little. This is what's happened. It's so, it's so short, you know, the, the span is so short. Because the apps are stimulating. And they finish, before they get used to this app, they open another app. They open another app. They open another app. So constantly their mind is being stimulated at a very high intensity. Until they get to a stage where they can't accept anything low. And to be honest, how many kids practice imaginary play today? Or for how long do your children practice imaginary play today? Where you just leave them with the toys and they just play imagining. You find them bored, they want to watch TV, they want the iPad, they want the tablet, they want your phone, they want the games on your phone, they want to watch this, they want to watch that. They very, because let's be honest, somebody else doing the thinking for you is always easier. <laughs> right? When they're watching something, they're not thinking. The person who created that is thinking. They're just watching that guy's brain. It's far easier than me using my own brain to play. So if you're going to buy them toys, buy them toys where you've thought about it properly. Don't just take them in the Toys R Us. Like one parent says, I just go in the Toys R Us, tell my kids, pick what you want. I say, that's good once in a while. You know? But every time you buy a thought, have a bit of diligence. That okay, this toy, this is what it's going to give my child. Or it's not. Sometimes you have a toy that's going to teach your child the same thing. And if you buy it for them, you're just buying it for them for the sake of it. You're only going to make them become attached to materialism. You don't want that, brothers and sisters. So, the, you know, part of parenting is get them toys, get them games, but make sure you think about what you're buying and make sure it develops them in a certain way. Yes, we must benefit from third-party tools, but note the term benefit. That's the critical word. Benefit from third-party tools, but benefit. Don't harm your child. Because later on, you're going to be shouting at them. And you know why? Because of what you did. So don't let that happen. Okay, also from the uh, principles, brothers and sisters, is obedience and benevolence, right? And this can be accomplished by providing a righteous environment and, and, and righteous uh, friend circle. Also avoiding too much blaming and feeling of guilt. Anas radiallahu anhu, he says, I served the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam for 10 years. 10 years I served him. And not once did he tell me, why did you do this when I did something? Or why didn't you do it when I didn't do something? This is Anas. Right? And it's amazing that he's sharing with us this lesson. Because this was something specific between him and the Prophet It's not a narration in that, in, in that Rasulullah said this. He, Allah inspired him to just say this to whatever gathering he was in. And, and mashallah, Allah inspired him to come to us. It's an amazing lesson this. Because today a lot of parenting entails blaming and feeling of guilt. Emotional blackmail. This is a big problem in parenting today. It's a big problem. You either remind your children of the 
10 years of wrong that they did, or the 16 years of wrong that they did, or the mistakes from the second year of their life, this is wrong. That was then, they got over it. Never judge people based on their past. The Sharia doesn't do this. And if you really want people to grow, stop taking them backwards. Yes, sometimes you need to take two steps backwards to move forwards. But always sort of piling on on your child or piling on anybody is not going to help. They felt the guilt then, they moved forward from it. You know the brothers of Yusuf, some of the scholars of tafsir say that in in the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the asbaq, the asbaq, in these two ayat, it refers to the other sons of Ya'qub. Right? And they say that these sons later on became prophets. Some of the scholars say this. Which brothers? Those brothers who did what? Abducted Yusuf alayhi salam when they were younger. Which teaches us what brothers and sisters? That we shouldn't judge people based on their, their past. If Allah, if, if we take this view of the scholars, and we see that Allah didn't judge these people based on their past, they sought forgiveness from Yusuf, they sought forgiveness from their father, they sought forgiveness from Allah, they told their father, ask Allah to forgive us, Allah forgave them, Allah moved forward with them. He didn't say, no, because of the mistakes of your past, no, you can't. Even in fiqh, when Allah talks about the adulterer and the adulteress, that, you know, uh, the, 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 the pure should not marry the adulterer, Right? They shouldn't. But then what does Allah say? Except those who seek forgiveness. Sincere forgiveness. So the Sharia doesn't treat people who seek sincere forgiveness the same way. Right? After forgiveness as they would have been treated before forgiveness. Does that make sense? It's oppressive to bring up the past. So if Rasulullah wasallam, as a general rule never blamed anyone for anything, as a general rule, we should adopt that in our parenting. It shouldn't be that we say it's your fault, it's because you did this, it's because you did that, I told you so, you didn't listen. No, don't do the blaming act, because you want to parent. And parenting is not revenge, by the way. News flash, brothers and sisters. Parenting is not revenge, by the way. Right? Parenting is parenting. It's about developing and growing one another. Yes, you're frustrated that your child is not pulling his or her weight, but you're not frust- you shouldn't be frustrated to the extent where you want to practice revenge now. Where you now blame and make them bring about guilt of the past. No, you're frustrated because you love them to develop. So you need to maintain the principles that allow development. I told you so attitude is, is old-fashioned. It doesn't work. Especially today, when children are a bit more rebellious. I'm sure to the adults sitting here, the parents sitting here, you are much more forgiving of your parents. And it's true. I can tell you. I can tell you that, you know, I'm not that old, but I can tell you the children of the 90s are not the children after the turn of the century. They are absolutely not the same people. They're far more rebellious. They have, they, they have far too many views. The children are the millennials that we speak about, philosophers. The philosophers, they have views. They have explanations of things. One day I was telling a child, don't cry over spilled milk. It's, it's, so the child says that no, I don't have to cry. I said, why? He says, my mommy has a machine, he can suck up the milk. <laughs> so I said, yeah, but that, that, the milk is dirty still, even if you can suck it up. He said, no, there's another machine, you can clean it. <laughs> this is the children of today, right? Five, six year old, giving you philosophy, you know? Telling you that, don't worry, telling the adult, don't worry, we can sort this out, 
Right? So, what I'm saying brothers and sisters is don't play the blame game. Yes, our children are more rebellious now, so we are in, in greater need, greater need to be more wise when we parent. Right? Don't bring up the past. It's not going to help. It might have helped you when your parents brought up the past, if they did, but it's definitely not going to help now. In any case, let's take a break here. Uh, do you want me to run through these um, principles very quickly? So we said lead by example. Number two, wisdom. Number three, fairness and equality. Number four, appreciation and open communication. Number five, constant supplication. Number six, when you purchase them toys and games and pets, be thoughtful in, 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 uh, in the purchases that you do so that it aids their development. Right? Next, the next example, be an exemplar of obedience and benevolence. And, num- and the last one was avoid uh, much blaming and avoid creating a situation where they feel uh, guilt. Yes, brothers and sisters, emotional blackmail, is, it, the Sharia doesn't love that. You know, we hear parents today, they, they, they parent with emotional blackmail. If you do this, don't come to my grave. If you do this, I won't. Allah, this is, uh, this is not from Allah. This is not from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is from uh, shaitan. And this is from emotions that shaitan brings about. Uh, you tread the path of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah you will be safe in the grave. And the last thing I'll say before we end, is that there are three questions that we will be asked in the grave. And those questions we know. We know them. It's the only exam that you can legally know the questions to. If there's any other exam in the world that you know the questions to, you've done something illegal. You've stolen the the question paper before time, right? The only exam we know the questions to legally are the exams of the grave. And let me tell you something. No matter how hard you study for those exams, you cannot guarantee answering those questions. Because true study for those exams is practice. You can't just say, you know, who is your Lord? Allah, I'll repeat it a hundred times so I'll be able to answer it in the grave. No. You got to live your life as if Allah was your Lord. Who was your Prophet? You can't repeat it a hundred times. Say, who was your Prophet? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Easy. No. You got to live your life as if he was your Prophet. You can't say, you know, what was your religion? You can't just say, Islam was my religion. No. You got to live your life with Islam being your religion. And that's why one of the du'as that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say is, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّنْ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ نَبِيَّ وَرَسُولًا That I am pleased as uh, Allah as my Lord, and as Islam as my religion, and as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi, or I'm pleased with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being my, my Prophet and Messenger. Right? In one narration, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't say whoever says this. He said whoever believes it. He didn't say, whoever says this, Allah will give him this. In, an, in one of the narrations, he said, whoever believes, it's not enough to pay lip service. You've got to believe Allah as your Lord, and the Messenger as your Prophet, and Islam as your religion. May Allah grant us the understanding. Let's take a 15-minute break, inshaAllah, and then we'll come back. I want to discuss about uh, terrible twos a little bit, and then uh, about some matters pertaining to teens, bidnillahi ta'ala. Jazakumullahu khairan wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.